You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Over. Hi, this is Kim, and welcome to our 26th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today I want to talk with you about the mental freedom process. I've been working some time on creating the process I call the mental freedom process based firmly on William Glasser's choice theory. As a counselor and coach, when I listen to my clients, I hear a lot of misery that can be alleviated following these three processes. What I find a lot of my clients experiencing is fear, guilt, anxiety, and depression centering around unhappiness in their relationships, generalized depression or anxiety, lack of fulfillment in their jobs or work, and most recently, fear around COVID-19, economic insecurity, and racial tension. Let's look at those three areas. The first one I call 100% responsibility. Because I firmly believe in doing our own evaluation of ourselves first, the first step in the mental freedom process is to accept 100% responsibility for everything you do and the things you're capable of doing that you deliberately decide not to. If you witness a person being the victim of a crime, yelling for help, and you turn around and go the other way, you're responsible for that decision. I'm not saying the decision is right or wrong. If you opted to render aid, you could have also been victimized. But you have a decision to make, and you chose to walk away. That's your responsibility, the same way you would have been 100% responsible for intervening. In order to take 100% responsibility, you need to be able to distinguish between the three categories of responsibility. The first are those things that are 100% your responsibility, defined as what you do and what you think. The second layer of accountability involves those areas where you can have influence. Influence is never promised, but if you are in a situation you don't like and you think you're in a position to influence the outcome, you're 100% responsible for the decision you make about using your powers of influence. My father-in-law was a racist. He didn't like black people simply because of the color of their skin. He regularly used the N-word and spoke about his ideas being firmly influenced by the opinions of his police officer friend from New York City. I had a decision to make about using my influence. I chose to speak up. I told him I didn't like him talking like that in the presence of my children. He really didn't care what I had to say and continued. My decision was to stop trying to influence because he clearly wasn't listening and instead I left his home whenever he used the N-word and I took my children with me. In hindsight, this doesn't seem like the stronger response I'd like to think I might make today. Today I'd like to think I would refuse to go to his house at all and forbid my children as well, but I wasn't that strong then. The third category involved those things that happen that you have zero control over. You don't want them, you didn't ask for them, but they happen anyway. This is often true of trauma, natural disasters, and the many things other people might choose to do. Of course, there may be people you can influence and alter the course of their actions, but most people will not be influenced by you by virtue of the fact of how many people there are that don't even know you. The people you can influence are typically those with whom you have a positive relationship. So the categories are your own behavior, the things you can influence, 
and those random things you have no control over. You are 100% responsible for the first category. In the second, you are responsible for the decision to attempt to influence, as well as your personal effectiveness to influence. And the third category, you have no responsibility, except for the way you respond and how you recover from the event. What you control, you have 100% responsibility for. There are many ways you can take responsibility. You can take responsibility for your accomplishments, your mistakes, and all the actions in between. It's relatively easy to take responsibility for our successes, unless you're very humble, introverted, or shy. People like to be responsible for the better things they do. These things often become a source of pride. It becomes increasingly more difficult when things don't turn out like you planned. No one starts off thinking they're going to do a bad thing. Choice theory teaches us that everyone is doing the best they can to get what they want in that moment in time. If they knew better, they would do better. In fact, when we do those things we aren't proud of, most of us thought of doing worse and chose the better of the options because people are inherently good. This is why people often make excuses for their behavior when things don't go as planned. However, the path to mental freedom requires you to do so. If you did it, you are 100% responsible for it. One of the biggest things you can do on your path to mental freedom is to recognize everything you do, you do because you want to. I know this goes against popular opinion, as many people complain about the things they have to do, but the only thing I know people have to do is die, eventually. Everything else is a choice. Even when someone holds a gun to your head, of course you don't want the gun to your head, but when you have one there, you're 100% responsible for what you do. And whatever you do, you're doing it because you want to. Some of the things people have complained about to me is having to work mowing their grass, paying their bills, and taking care of their children. These all feel like heavy responsibilities, and they are, but you do have a choice not to do them. You don't have to mow your grass, pay your bills, or take care of your children. You don't even have to pay your taxes. Why do you do those things? You may mow your lawn so your community association doesn't fine you, or so your lawn can look neat. You want to pay your bills so you can continue to enjoy the gas and electric that power your home and so you get to keep your car and your house. You want to work for the same reason or because you like the work you do or you like your clients or co-workers. You take care of your children because you love them and you want them to live to be grown-ups. To the person with the gun, you typically comply because you want to live to see another day. When you believe you're being forced to do things by outside forces, you create a lot of misery for yourself. Nothing can make you do something against your will. It may be unpleasant, but there'll always be an internal reason or motivation for why you choose to do it. Accept that, own it, and be willing to accept full responsibility for every action you choose, the good and the bad. This is the path to power and freedom. You are always in charge of your decisions. No one else is. You can begin the process of mental freedom by taking full responsibility for all the things you do, even the ones you don't think you want to do. You can even feel good about that when you realize you like the benefits of doing the things you don't want to do, so you can actually want to do them to get the benefits you receive.
See if you can eliminate the phrase have to from your vocabulary. Nobody likes to be blamed for things. It never feels good. So when you make a decision or take an action that doesn't work out, we usually try to find someone else to blame. The opposite of claiming 100% responsibility. You are also responsible for your choices after the mistake. Do you take responsibility, pay restitution, apologize, or look for justification to shift and find excuses for why it wasn't your fault? Being responsible doesn't make you a bad person or a screw-up. The great thing about mistakes is there is always something to learn from them. It's far more likely you'll learn the lesson of the mistake when you take responsibility than you would expending your energy finding a rationale for why you aren't responsible. And I already mentioned that you're 100% responsible for those actions you were capable of taking but decided not to. How many times have we walked by someone we could have helped but didn't because it wasn't convenient? How many times have we kept silent when we had something important to say? How many times could we have bettered ourselves but didn't because we thought it might be too hard? I'm not talking about things you didn't even think of doing. You aren't responsible for things you don't know about. I'm talking about deliberate decisions not to act. You are 100% responsible for those too. Forgiveness. I think at least one of the reasons people have learned not to take responsibility is because we fear punishment. Negative actions often lead to unpleasant and sometimes painful consequences. It's true, when you take 100% responsibility, you must bear the consequences of what you did. But even worse than external consequences imposed by others is the punishment we perpetrate on ourselves. Taking responsibility does not mean you have to beat yourself up for any past transgressions or mistakes you've made. Remember the choice theory premise that everyone is doing the best they can at any moment in time to get what they want. Perhaps you've learned a better way because of the experience. Maybe you had your priorities mixed up. Perhaps you found a new way to look at things that changes the experience. Whatever you would do differently now was not available to you in that moment, so please forgive yourself. You didn't do anything wrong in that moment. You did the best you knew to get what you wanted. Accept your perfectly imperfect self and make today a new day. Things you can influence. We also have some responsibility for the things over which we have some influence. If you have information that can help a situation's outcome be better, then you're 100% responsible for whether or not you share that information and the way in which you share it. You are not, however, responsible for the outcome. The other person is 100% responsible for their decisions and the behaviors around those decisions. I know this seems common sense, but it isn't so easy to put into practice. For every person who's tried to influence the wardrobe of their partner and failed, what they finally chose to wear was not your responsibility. Will you be judged because of it by people who want to hold you responsible? Perhaps. But how you think about and manage that judgment is then the part you're responsible for. The same is true about your children. I was speaking with a client just last week who has a 36-year-old daughter in a relationship with someone the client doesn't approve of. The mother was asking me, 
What did I do wrong that would allow her to stay in this abusive relationship? The mother was attempting to take responsibility for her daughter's behavior. Yes, she's responsible for the decisions she makes while parenting, but it's your child's 100% responsibility for what they choose to do. We generally have influence with people who like and respect us. You won't have influence with people who do neither, and you may or may not have influence with strangers or people who are neutral about you. At the end of the day, the question is, can you look at yourself in the mirror and feel good about how you used your ability to influence? I'm not necessarily talking about trying to change someone's mind about something, although that may be the result of your influence. I'm really talking about providing additional information that a person doesn't have to help him or her make a more informed decision. For example, if someone is mentioning how they're going to get from point A to point B, and you happen to know there's construction along that route making the drive twice as long, you can influence the person's decision by providing that information. If you choose not to provide it, you are also 100% responsible for your decision to withhold important information. Whether you provide the information or not, you're not responsible for the choice that person makes to take a different route or stay their course. That's what they're responsible for. What you can't control. The last category. The things you have no control over often produce consequences you don't like. Of course, there's plenty of positive things that happen that are out of your control, but we don't tend to notice those as much. It's the thing that caused pain and inconvenience that we notice. You may be prone to go into victim mode when these things happen, feeling sorry for yourself. This brings its own issues with 100% responsibility. You are not responsible for what happened to you, it's true, but you are 100% responsible for your response to it. The other scenario is that something you couldn't control, you might spend an inordinate amount of time trying to take 100% responsibility. You see this a lot with women in abusive relationships or adult survivors of sexual abuse. In situations like these, the perpetrator often keeps telling their victims how they are to blame for their behavior, and it may happen so often that the victim starts to believe in their own culpability. They take responsibility for what someone else did. This is not the path to mental freedom. At least in your own mind, you need to place the responsibility in the lap of the person who is committing the offense. What if the thing that happened were random, like a flood, fire, or tornado? When you erroneously take responsibility for something like that, you decide it must be some kind of payoff for something you feel guilty about, as if God, fate, or lady luck were punishing you. Another way is to blame the situation on a decision you made in the past. I knew I shouldn't have relied on that wood stove. That's what caused the fire. Or, I knew I shouldn't have built this house on top of the hill. That's why it was so badly damaged in the hurricane. Or your child was killed in a drive-by shooting and you blame yourself for only being able to afford a house in an economically disadvantaged neighborhood. You're not responsible for those things. However, you are responsible for learning from those things, if there's learning to be had, and for the way you respond and recover from tragic events. The next step I call the unconditional trust challenge. Trust is an interesting concept. I believe trust is especially important for relationships, but I speak of a different kind of trust than most people do. When most people talk about trusting someone, 
What they really mean is they're trusting someone to be the person they want them to be. We all have a fantasy picture of what we want certain people to act like. It's perfection. If the person acted the way you wanted, your life would be better. When they match what we want, we say we trust them. If they disappoint the picture we have of them in our head, then we say we can't trust them. The path to freeing your mind is to stop trusting people to be who you want them to be and begin to trust people for who they've shown you they are until they show you something different. You can always trust everyone to do one thing in every circumstance without exception and holding this kind of trust will help you on your journey to mental freedom. You can always trust that every single person on the planet is doing what they believe is their best option in that situation to get what they want based on the information available to them. And if you care about them, isn't that what you'd want them to do? It's also difficult to get angry at someone for doing the best they could in that situation to get what they want, right? I call this the unconditional trust challenge. The challenge comes in not holding that person responsible for the frustration you have in getting your needs met. If you were counting on your friend to go out to lunch with you and they canceled because they decided they needed time to clean their pool instead, you realize they're doing the best given their priorities at that time. You could be resentful because your friend didn't prioritize their commitment to you, or you could realize they made their best choice at the time, not take it personally, and make a decision about what you want to do about lunch. And if their behavior is so egregious, then make a decision about what kind of relationship, if any, you want to have with that person. If you're involved with a person who rarely keeps their commitments, then you'll trust them to be someone who might bail on you, and you might already have Plan B formulated ahead of time. Or you might just stop asking them for things because of their poor follow-through. Whatever choice you make in response, you're 100% responsible for. The third step is appreciation for the glow. In our lives, there will be circumstances we have zero control of or influence over. A lot of trauma falls into this category. Natural disasters, accidents, death of loved ones, relationships ending, job loss, etc. You don't ask for it, you don't want it, and yet you've got it anyway. What can you do? You basically have four choices. One, you can stay miserable and frustrated over what's happened that isn't fair and you can't change. Two, you can decide to tolerate it by stuffing your feelings deep inside, creating physical and emotional turmoil for yourself. Three, you can accept it as something you don't like, but yet it happened, so you decide to stop being angry, depressed, anxious, or frustrated over it. And finally, four, you can look for ways to find appreciation for it. Accepting it is great, but finding appreciation for it is truly your path to mental freedom. This may seem impossible, but when you recognize the balance in all things, you realize that your brain tricks you by directing your focus toward the painful parts of the experience. Our brains are hardwired for negativity to aid in our survival. This is great if we're in a life-threatening situation, but if we're in an emotionally challenging one, we need to look underneath the painful part to the benefits and advantages that the situation is affording us. I call this the glow. You're looking for the gifts, lessons, opportunities, and wisdom in the situation. It's always there. All you have to do to find it is first believe it's there 
and set your mind to finding the benefits when you're ready to stop mourning. Practicing 100% responsibility, the unconditional trust challenge, and appreciation for the glow will be a journey that leads to increasing power and freedom over your mind, so your mind starts to work for you instead of against you. It will result in inner peace. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I'd like to gain some experience coaching people on their path to mental freedom. I've been using it with my coaching clients recently with great results. If you'd like to try it out, I'm putting together a group coaching experience at 75% off the regular price of $100 a session. So you'd only have to pay $25 a session for six sessions. If you'd be interested in this offer, please email me at kim at the Relationship Center, Center spelled the American way, C-E-N-T-E-R, dot biz. When I have six people together, I'll find a time that works for everyone and we'll begin. You will learn your path to mental freedom to use in your life. In this podcast, I'm focused most heavily on the first step of 100% responsibility. Look for future podcasts where I focus on the unconditional trust challenge and appreciating the glow. If you want to do a do-it-yourself version of mental freedom, begin your journey focused on 100% responsibility first. I'll talk about the second step in about a month's time. Next month will be the month of July already, and I'll be switching topics from mental health and choice theory to leadership. I look forward to it. I hope you'll join me. Talk to you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.